0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM
1: 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginaria. My name is Richard Serrett, and congratulations. You found us the one, the only, Conspiracy Show. Lots going on here in studio. Albert, the intern, is trying to cobble together another Google Hangout on air. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Google Hangouts. If not, uh, you will be at some point in the future, I uh, guarantee it. But we tried an experiment last week uh, with the Google Hangout, and I'm not sure, 100% sure, this one is going to work. There we are. Uh, we've got the, uh, the video stream going anyway. If you're, uh, if you're interested in joining the Google Hangout, I've tweeted the link. Just go to my uh, Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and click on the link. And uh, you can also join our Google circle There's another one for you, Google Circles and Google Hangouts. Uh, I'm being dragged, kicking and screaming into the 21st century, folks. Anyway, uh, the Google Circle is uh, at the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. If you join that Google Circle, there'll be a link there you just click on and join the Hangout. At least I think that's how it works. I'm just an old radio guy uh, trying to learn a new trick. Uh, Anyway, you can just keep it tuned right here as well. Here in Toronto, our flagship station, AM740. And, of course, to all of you listening to one of our great affiliates in the United States, just keep listening to the old-fashioned radio uh, or the podcast or the live stream at zoomaradio.com, whatever the case may be. There's just so many ways now uh, to listen to The Conspiracy Show and now watch The Conspiracy Show. Uh, I spent the day in uh, Greektown here in Toronto on Danforth Avenue, and my twin boys were marching in the Ohi Day Parade. Ohi, that's right. Uh, and on this particular day, actually, it's tomorrow will be the anniversary, October 28, 1940, during World War II. Uh, Greeks stood up to the fascist Mussolini, and this was no small thing to do. Uh, first of all, uh, Mussolini had 44 million people. There were 44 million people in Italy, and Greece had but 7 million. Italy had 10 times the firepower of Greece in its army, navy, and air force, which had, a total, uh, which had total air superiority, since Greece had only a small defensive force. Greece, rather, had a small defensive force. And the demands from Mussolini were sent again in 1940 to Prime Minister Metaxa. And he gave Greece three hours to reply to his demands to surrender and for the Italian troops to occupy Greece and raise the Italian flag on top of the Parthenon. But Mussolini never even waited for Metaxas' reply. He had five heavily armed divisions of Italian soldiers moving from controlled Albania over the border into Greece. And then, a little history lesson here for you non-Greeks, in the early hours of October 28th, Metaxas gave his reply loud and clear. Ohi. he! No. He said no to Mussolini, no to surrender. And the Ohi cry has become a Hellenic battle cry that blooms defiant, defi- defiantly uh, every 28th of October. And this cry of Ohi, again, is repeated by every Hellenic community around the world, numbering more than 10 million Greeks. So that's what the Ohi Day Parade is all about Ohi, no, in Greek. You know, And I've been thinking, this is a word we should all start to use a little bit more often. When authority, for example, wants to intrude into our private lives, to monitor, monitor our email and our Facebook posts in the wake of, let's say, the Ottawa shootings, we should reply, ye. When the state tries to spend more time with your children by bringing in more subsidized daycare so you can work four part-time jobs for half the money you were making five years ago, working one job, and that's by design, our reply should be, Ohi. Ohi Day. We should all celebrate Ohi Day when the Greeks said no to the fascists. Uh, Mentalist Haim Goldenberg is appearing at my Follow the Truth conference coming up in just a few weeks, and he's standing by in studio to dazzle us with some extraordinary feats. This guy is amazing. I actually met him at a backyard children's birthday party back in the summer uh, and then started to learn about Haim and, and the fact that he is one of the world's great mentalists and an authority on the human mind. And it's interesting, you know, the other great mentalist, Yuri Geller, an Israeli, Haim Goldenberg, an Israeli-Canadian. Is there a connection? What is it with the Israelis and uh, these incredible feats of the mind? We'll find out. But before we get to Haim, uh, back in 1980, a UFO was tracked on military radar in Rendlesham Forest in the south of England, and it landed near two of the most strategically important military bases in NATO and was approached by military witnesses who touched the hull of this craft, if we can call it a craft. One of those military witnesses is also going to be taking part in my all-day conference, Follow the Truth, the Conspiracy Show Summit, Sunday, November the 16th at the Region Theatre in Oshawa. Jim Penniston entered the Air Force in 1973, served over 20 years active duty in the U.S. Air Force, assigned to the Strategic Air Command Elite Guard in Omaha, Nebraska, providing security for general officers, congressmen, heads of states, and the president and members of his cabinet. The most notable assignment, however, began in July 1980. He was assigned as a security police supervisor at RAF Bentwaters, England, a twin base with RAF Woodbridge. And, as I mentioned, on the night of December 26, 1980, Sergeant Aniston led the investigation of a craft of unknown origin, which had landed and subsequently took off after an on-ground investigation which lasted for more than 45 minutes. Jim Penniston, how are you?
2: Doing great, Richard. How are you doing? Well, I'm very well, and I uh,
1: once again, I'm thrilled. You're going to be with us uh, via Skype on the, the 16th of November in Oshawa. And I know you, you. know you and I have been talking, and I know you don't attend a lot of these UFO conferences but this one is different and I'm pleased you recognize that one of the things that you've you, you told me that, uh, that convinced you to participate in Follow the Truth, Truth was uh, the inclusion of two of our speakers uh, talk to me about uh, Professor Ron Mallett and, and uh, Don Schmidt our Roswell UFO investigator
2: yeah it's uh, you know uh, you're taking uh, the UFOlogy part of this to a different level Okay, and I, I really do appreciate that, Richard. And by doing that, you have people like Ron Mallet or Dr. Mallet and um, and uh, some of the things uh, with time travel that uh, tie into this interdimensional uh, possibilities with friendship. Uh, so that should be interesting, I think. And uh, then, of course, um, I had the opportunity to do a conference earlier this year with uh, Don Smith. And um, he uh, of the famed, you know, Roswell uh, uh, incident. He was a, uh, uh, a former uh, director uh, or co-director with uh, the uh, Alan Hynek Center for UFO Studies, and he's just a brilliant guy by himself. And as a matter of fact, he had me on the, the on the edge of my chair listening to him <laughs> at the conference. He's a yeah, terrific um, speaker. Yes uh yeah and uh, you know what uh i I bothered him for like you know for the dinner and everything else. hey, come over here down, sit with me you know i i really want, uh, the guy is just fascinating, and i'm sure that the uh, uh just judging by those two people that you uh have Chosen for the uh, conference, I'm sure the rest of them are just equally as uh, talented and fascinating as those two gentlemen are.
1: Well, I, we don't have a lot of time, Jim, and I just brought you on to sort of tease, uh, you know, the the uh, the, the upcoming event, uh, uh, follow the truth, the conspiracy show summit. But people might be saying, well, what pray tell does Professor Professor Ronald Mallett have to do? Uh, you know, here is this uh, theoretical physicist talking about building a, a time machine. What would he have to do with Britain's Roswell, uh, the, the 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 Rendlesham Forest UFO incident, and I'm not asking you to you know to to uh, to spill the beans here to give it all away, but it it, it is kind of an interesting pairing, uh, time travel, and and your encounter with this UFO in in Rendlesham Forest 34 years
0: ago.
2: Exactly. Uh, well, one of the things that happened during uh, the Rendlesham Forest incident uh, uh, and the immediate aftermath was. Uh, um, I didn't know at the time, but a binary code was uh uh discovered and um and I didn't find out exactly what these ones and zeros were until about thirty years later uh by accident and uh and it turns out that they had a message in them and it was in binary code and it's assumed that it's done by the incident itself and then we did a uh, a uh a show together in the United States, um, Dr. Mallett and I, and in that show, he, the tie-in with the Reynolds from Fords incident is actually, uh, uh, Dr. Mallett has written a book and it's about time travel and how he's trying to construct a a workable time uh, machine over the next 10 years, and he said one of the most likely ways for a uh, a message to be sent back through time would be through binary code so there's the tie in interesting um, yes. that's a nice
1: little tease because yeah. Fascinating. Uh, i think I, I think people are going to be amazed uh, i know they're going to be amazed by what you have to say during our little uh, our conversation on the 16th because uh it's you come at this from a very interesting perspective it's not the typical sort of you know UFO perspective that, that uh, and I you know many people are anticipating that you're going to talk about UFOs but uh, we'll, we'll just sort of leave it at that it's mm-hmm. uh, i think people okay. are going to be kind of shocked and amazed but very quickly we should mention the book that you uh, yeah. co-authored along with Nick Pope and and, uh, and uh, Mr. Burroughs Encounter in Rendlesham Forest the inside story of the world's best documented UFO incident why 34 years to write the book how 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 come
2: uh well uh for the for, I had well, I spent 20 years in the air force so I couldn't write about it at all in there Fair and enough. <laughs> then uh uh yeah you know I didn't get out to 93 and uh then I looked at uh, several authors lead authors to write a book with it and it just uh, um it just wasn't a fit and uh when it came across uh with Nick Pope um who headed the MOD's uh UFO investigation desk, well, it was a no-brainer. I mean, we said that's the guy to have as the lead author because uh, it brings in both sides of the pond, you know, uh, and, you know, with the MOD and with Department of Defense. So we thought it was just a, a, a great marriage, and it was actually. It worked out really well.
1: And, and and I'm guessing that this was very cathartic for you to write this book, which, uh,
2: uh, yeah. Well, the, the first thing they asked me is "Is the book of success. I said the book was a success for me on the ninth or 10th rewrite and, uh, of the manuscript because it was pure therapeutic for me. It was. Uh, I'm so happy that uh, uh, I'm able to talk about this incident somewhat uh, without any type of too much emotional stuff. Uh, and beforehand, I couldn't do that. Well, so. we are going to talk about it uh, some more on the 16th. And Jim,
1: again, really looking forward to uh, speaking with you on stage at the Region Theatre in Oshawa on the 16th. Can't wait. All Can't right. wait, Richard. Thank you, Jim. Bye. Jim Penniston, yeah. joining us via Skype at the Region Theatre, Sunday, November 16th. Follow the Truth, the Conspiracy Show Summit for tickets. Call the box office, 905-721-3399. 905-721-3399. Or visit Follow the Truth, TV for more details, mentalist Heim Goldenberg is standing by here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Welcome back. Good to have you with us. And uh, those of you joining our Google Hangout, welcome to you as well. Uh, it's just sort of in the experimental stage. Uh, do me a favor and uh, drop us an email. Let us know how that's going. Uh, Albert, the intern, what's uh, the best email address? conspiracyshow One. At gmail.com? Uh, right. Conspiracy show, then the number one at gmail.com. Are you able to hear the audio or are you able to just to see the uh, the pictures? It's an experiment. A Google Hangout on Air here at the Conspiracy Show. All right. Heim Goldenberg is considered to be one of the major authorities on the subject of the human mind. And he's a highly regarded. Uh, well, he's highly regarded by his fellow mentalists. He travels around the world lecturing other professional mentalists, consulting and teaching new techniques in this field. And uh, Haim doesn't claim to possess supernatural or psychic powers. He claims that the powers that he uses are the same powers that are inside each and every one of us. We simply need to believe and trust in them. Haim Goldenberg,
3: welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm great. great. It sounds good when you say it. This about me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just like we rehearsed it. <laughs> so, uh
3: what is a mentalist exactly? Mentalist. Um mentalist is someone that do it's kind of mind reader. A mind reader. Some okay. mentalists um, claim that they really read minds. Some mentalists are more skeptics like me. I don't believe that I really read minds, but I think that I have very good intuition. Um, I know how to speak and to tell you something with my body language and how to read body language. So I use uh, real abilities or normal abilities um, that I learned during the years, and it's a lot of practice, um, to do something that looks like the sixth sense or the supernatural like, powers or something right, like this. Right, right. So uh,
1: when I think of mentalists then, I think of people like the amazing Kresken, uh and I think of Yuri Geller. Yes. Now, Yuri Geller, as I mentioned off the top, is uh, an Israeli, and you are an Israeli-Canadian. Is that just a
3: coincidence? I mean, what is it about Israel that produces such amazing mentalists? Actually, there are many very good mentalists from Israel, and maybe one of the reasons is because Yuri Geller came from there. He He started, like, maybe 30 years ago. He was number one all over the world, and... Like me, many other mentalists inspired by him, and I'm specially inspired by him, and it's interesting. I, I remember when I saw first time Yuri Geller, I was six years old, and I saw him I was at home. I was a very innocent, boy. I didn't know nothing about this world, but I, I believed in Superman. just to tell you how, how, I believe that Superman.
1: Six-old doesn't believe.: in that, Superman. That
3: is real. And I wanted to be a superhero. So when I saw Yuri Geller on TV. I remember that Yuri said that everybody can do what he does. And he took a spoon, and he looked at the spoon, and he started to bend it. Right. So immediately I tried. I took a spoon, and for maybe 10 minutes I tried tried many different ways.
1: So you were concentrating on the spoon, thinking with the power of your mind you could bend the spoon.
3: Yes, and because Yuri said that this is how you have to do it. You have to concentrate. So I tried, and it didn't work for me. And I tried again the, the day after and the day after, and it didn't work for me for two years. But I never quit. Every morning, it became my morning routine. I went to the kitchen, I took a spoon, and I tried. Sometimes one minute, sometimes ten minutes. But two years after, I took a spoon, and I remember like it happened yesterday. I, I, my eyes were closed, and I opened the drawer, I took a spoon, I, looked, I, I just moved it a little bit, and immediately I felt something weird. So I opened my eyes and I saw that the spoon is bending more and more and more and more. It was an amazing moment for me. Um, and since then, I went to the street. This, is, this was a proof for me that I'm a real Wait a minute. You're holding mentalist. the
1: spoon right now. Did I just see that spoon bend? And not yet. No, I, not yet. Let me try. Okay. Let me try. Okay. Um, get, hang on. Make sure we're... Albert, are you going to get this uh, on our Google okay, Hangout here? I will here. try.
3: So you said all you need to do is just concentrate. And he did something like this that looks like optical illusion. It's hard to see. Yeah, it looks
1: like it's, it's
3: like moving around like a wet noodle. Yes. That spoon. But, but you know. That's an it, optical illusion. It's optical illusion, but it's become to reality if you believe. In, and this is what I want to say believe. Wait a minute. What? It's actually bending it, more and more and more and more. It is. And I want to show to the camera. Wow. And it's bending. Wow. And you can feel it's a normal spoon. I yeah, just let me, let it just completely. Look at that. From the other that's, room. That's
1: a normal spoon, and look at that. And this is what I won't am- be using that for my breakfast uh, cereal tomorrow <laughs> morning. I can tell you that
3: it'll be difficult. And
1: so, I, so could, I so mean, so you
3: were not—you were not like you know. No, I didn't use. F- I w- didn't use physical force. No. So let me tell you. So this is what happened to me when I was six years old, eight years old, and for a long time I didn't know how it worked, and I did it more and more every almost every day. But three years ago, my mother came to visit me, and she told me something very interesting. She told me that one night before I bent the spoon when I was eight right. years old, she went to the kitchen very late and she bent all the spoons oh. because she was tired, simply <laughs> trying. And this is how it for me. And, no! And it's a, it, this is a real, real story. <laughs> 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 but that doesn't explain <laughs> that, that doesn't explain how you just did that. I still have some secrets, so okay. I cannot explain everything. But it was, it, this is a real story. This is how That's I started. That's an amazing story. Your mother went in and she bent all her... All the spoons? but it wasn't her good silver. Uh, we didn't have silver spoons then. Okay. Yeah. And, and this plate. is something very important to mention because people tend to say that I have special powers, especially after they see my, my TV show. Right. Uh, it's important to mention from my side that I don't have special powers. But if we talk about powers, there is one power that every time everybody have, and this is the power of believing. Right. I was six years old. I believed. I really believed, and I succeed, and I'm still doing this today. So I think that everybody has the power, but the difficult part is to believe for real. Okay, but and let me
1: ask you something, because you're a skeptic, and what you're telling me is you're not bending the spoon. You're admitting you're not bending the spoon with the power of your mind. How do your, your fellow... Um, mentalists, how how does Yuri Geller respond when you say something like that? Because he would have us believe that he is using the power of his mind. And you're saying, you're, you're basically calling out your hero on this, right? You're saying, no, Yuri, that's not how it's done. How does he reply?
3: Um, if, you, if you asked me five years ago, I assume that you will be upset. Today, he also start to go to the, you know, because, you know, people know that it's not I think people know that it, it's not real. Um, it's not real power of the mind. There is something there. There is a physical power that we have, that, and we don't know that we have, that, that I use. Um, today, Yuri Geller, I think, and I hope that he will claim that it's not um, it just 100% the power of the mind. There is something else behind it. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, I, but, but, you know, this is what I believe, and it's important for me to say to the people and to share with so the people.
1: So, in, in other words, it's a trick.
3: No. Yeah, no this it's is not a, a it's trick. not a trick. Well, explain the difference, um, I'm
1: confused. I'm a simple man.
3: We have different powers and things that are running in our body. Okay. Um, the ability to heal people or, or, or things like this. To the, heal to, people, the yes. energy or something yes. like this that we don't know what is this. But we also have special, um, things in our body that I, I, it's very difficult to explain. It's, it's physical power made right. this happen, but it's something that you don't see and you, you can't feel. I practice more than 10 years to, to do what it, it's you just a, saw. like a subtle energy coursing through your body that you can direct. It's. Um, I, I don't want to confuse the audience okay. and you, but I'm also confused now, uh, because I don't want to reveal exactly what is this. But right. again, it's 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 a physical power that you have exactly like I have, but I know how to use it. Ah, okay. So well, is, no, um, that's
1: you see, that's not a trick then. That's it's not a just, trick. Yeah, yeah that's it's an not untapped, a trick. Yeah. Yeah. An it's, untapped energy of some sort that you've harnessed that anyone could learn yes, with training
3: with a lot of training. You yeah. see
1: still that's that's amazing though. Yeah
3: and and this is my, important to say, I I never use special gimmicks or special spoons or Right. I don't use tricks. I don't like to call it tricks because I don't use tricks. Everything is based on real intuition, real body language reading and also when right. I I when I influence people I use my body language, the power of suggestion. It's easy to convince someone that he see something or he feels something, um, like hypnotist used to do. Right. Um, so everything is very natural, very normal. Right. But it's not supernatural. It's not something that I have and some other people don't have.
1: Uh, mentalist Heim Goldenberg is with us, and uh, his website is heimgoldenberg. dot com, and that's H A I M, and then Goldenberg G O L D E N B E R G. Goldenberg, Heim Goldenberg. Haim Goldenberg a dot com. Just getting back to the spoon for a moment, uh, to me, because you're talking about some, let's use the term energy, for lack of a better word. It may not be the appropriate one. No, it's okay. Some energy that we have, some subtle energy. If it, it can't be measured, I'm assuming, then what you're doing still fits, I would say, the definition of the paranormal or the supernatural. Because, because we don't know we, what and it, it is. And it can't be measured.
3: No, it can't be major. It can't? can't no, can't. So would, would you
1: not then concur that what you're doing still would qualify? I mean, it's not. it can't be, it, it can't be quantified by our current science, correct?
3: Uh, oh, this is a tricky question. Um, I ask a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, it can't be major. Um, there is many things involved here. Okay. Okay, many things. A lot of power of suggestions. A lot of me convince you that you see something and I, you see, and I do something else. Right. It's a lot of, um, again, let's call it energy that I use, but you can see. Okay? Again, it's, it's, a, it's a physical power that I use to bend this spoon, but you can see. And it's not because I do it really fast or something like right. this. Right, it, it was really slow. If, if you see the spoon now, I will, I will not touch it. I will just rub it very gently. Okay. Look at this. All right. You getting this Albert on our Google Hangout? All right. I will try. So I want to show you, so I will show you. I will, you can look at this. Okay. Okay. It's keep going, okay? Even though I don't touch the spoon and it's more than 90 degrees now. Wow. And it's bent more.
1: Wow. Okay, I don't want to deconstruct it anymore, because, you know, I love a mystery, and I love magic. Thank all right? you. <laughs> and I still want to believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. I, golden, by the way, I'm
3: very skeptic, but I really I want to believe. And I, I study course. a lot, and I, it's, it's important to believe. Important to believe. Well,
1: I'm a skeptic, too, about everything. Uh, we're skeptics, we're not debunkers, and there's a, an important difference, right? Yes, yes. There definitely. are professional debunkers mm-hmm. uh, who, recent studies have shown, by you know major studies at universities by by psychologists debunkers and i'm not talking just about conspiracies or or paranormal but, but but debunkers in general are more likely to be guilty of confirmation bias than those of us who are skeptical but you know are willing to at least be open minded about yes, it
3: yes definitely and yes and it's important to be like this i think uh
1: so when you're talking about the human mind i mean what do you where do you think the mind resides does the mind is the mind simply this organ rolling around in our cranium called the brain or do you think the mind exists outside of the body
3: um i know i think our mind is part of the body and our mind is oh i don't know exactly what is the mind but i know the way we are thinking the way we are behave. What make us to do this, or what make us to do this? Um, so this is. I'm specialized on people behavior. Be, um, and behavior, our behavior, behavior, right? Yes, right. So did you take mind, psychology
1: courses, for example? Nev- no, never.
3: No. I, I never read a book. I can't read a book because I have this problem of I can't read. So I never read a book. Um, I, most of the things I study by myself, and some things I learn from other mentalists. Um, and mostly, it's experience with people, communication with people, right. non-verbal communication. This is what I'm doing. Um, I must be speaking volumes when I'm just sitting here. Then you're speaking. Yes, you're speaking a
1: lot, even you- when I when I when I when I don't even say anything. just yes. my body language.
3: Yes, a lot. And now, when I'm re- really focused, in my real life, I cannot read people because I'm not focused. But now I'm really focused. And actually, let's try to do something, if you don't mind. W- when we come back, we're going to take a
1: time okay. out. Okay. All take right. Your time. I'm yeah. Goldenberg. World-renowned mentalist is with us here on The Conspiracy Show. Welcome to you on our Google Hangout. You get to hang out even during the commercials, and we'll be back after the commercials. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. And welcome back. Haim Goldenberg, mentalist, is with us in studio here on The Conspiracy Show. And uh, once again, the Google Hangout appears to be up and running. And if you uh, just drop us a a quick email, let us know whether you're hearing it all right. And that's conspiracyshow1 at gmail.com. And uh, that um, person you see, the other person you see in studio besides Haim is Albert, the intern. Say hello to them, Albert. And uh, next to Albert is um, Miri, who is uh, Haim Goldenberg's assistant. So she's helping us out here as well. Now, Haim, uh, before the show started you asked me to write down a word on a piece of paper
0: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and underneath that you asked me to write down a three-digit number yeah okay which I did I folded it carefully placed it in my pocket you didn't see it
3: so what do we do now okay let's try I will try to guess okay and I'm going to do it by looking at you and read your body language uh, I will see the way you are reacting I will say many words and we'll see but before we do this let me try something All right. because in mentalism there are two ways one way is to read people right. to get the information from you the other way is to put informa- information in your mind All so right. for example and we'll do something really simple I will write a number between 1 to 10 right. okay.
1: okay I'm going to warn you before we start I am a tough nut to crack
3: so I will do my best I will right. try Sometimes it's not working, but that's all right. So I wrote a number between one to ten. Now I try to influence you to choose the specific number that I wrote here. Okay. Of course, I don't say nothing and I don't show you a specific number, but with my body language, I think I already put it in your mind. What is the number that you have in your mind between one to ten? You want me to tell you? Yes. The number is seven. Why number seven? Why number seven?
1: I um, know. Oh, I will tell it there. Oh. Why number seven? It, it's just it's a it's, it's a lucky number. Mind. It's a very popular number. It's it, whenever I think a lucky number, I think seven. And it's
3: not because I ask you. No. Okay. No. So actually, I wrote number seven, oh. and and the reason you chose number seven is because I did something very simple. I looked at you and I said, please choose any number you want. It can be any number you want. And I did the shape of number seven. It's kind of subliminal oh, message that you wow. saw. And that's true.
1: That's what you did.
3: The other reason, and the reason I choose number seven is because most of the people will choose number seven. It's, it's another. Right, present. right, right. So, but let's try now the difficult part. Okay. Um, now I will read I'm your. not such a
1: tough nut after all. <laughs> Rats, <laughs> I I, good.
3: okay. Maybe now it will be, it. you will be tough. Um, we'll start with the number. So uh, you wrote a number. Nobody saw the number. Um, you know, sm- small piece of paper. Yes. Um, and I will try to guess by doing this. I will count from one to ten. Right. Every time you, you, you hear me say a number, say yes. Even though it's not your number. Even so, I would say number one. Say, say yes. yes. Okay. okay, one. Yes. Two. Yes. Three. Yes. There is three in your number. One. Yes. Two. Yes. Three. Yes. Four. Yes. Five. Yes. Six. Yes. Seven. Yes. Eight. Yes. Eight, yes. Nine. Yes. Ten. Yes. I almost sure that I know your number. Um, three hundred and nineteen, I guess.
1: Uh you are very w- no. I don't want f- I don't I don't want to uh show them. Yeah,
3: everything. no just say if I'm, if I'm right or wrong.
1: Can I tell you the number? Yes. It's 319.
3: 319. Yes.
1: So this is what. Is that what you
3: said? Yes. 319. Oh, there it
1: is. yes Okay. Can you see that?
3: No, no, don't, oh, my don't, don't No, no, don't. Don't show me the the other no, one. No, I won't show you that. Can
1: you see that? You can't see that number. It's too light. But it's 319, and show 319. them what you wrote down yeah. there. Did they say something else? Or no, say... I thought you said 219, but you wrote... No, no.
3: 319. It's your yeah. Israeli
1: accent. That's yes, all. yes. It's a beautiful Two, accent. Three, 319. Yeah, there
3: we go. So now let's try um, the, the word, okay? and This is more difficult. So uh, I ask you also to, to count how many letters do you have in this word? Okay, Okay. We're
1: going to take another break. This was a short segment. Okay. Okay, so... I will. Do you want me to tell you the number of letters? No, no. After the break. After the break. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll get to more of uh, mentalist Haim Goldenberg here on the Conspiracy Show. This is amazing. I knew I'd be amazed. I just didn't know how amazed I'd be. <laughs> back with more. Stay with us. All right, and we are back in studio. Heim Goldenberg, mentalist, and uh, Albert the intern uh, there as well, and um, Mitty, who is um, Heim's uh, assistant. Now, before the break, you were able to identify the number that I wrote down on a piece of paper and put it in my pocket before the show. It was 319. You nailed it. Uh, Now, before we get to the second part, let me just remind people, Haim, You are, in addition to being this incredible mentalist, if that's not enough, you are also an amazing artist, and you have you. an exhibit. You have an exhibit up in uh, Thornhill, not too far from from here, yeah. uh, up on uh, Young Street and around Clark Avenue in Thornhill, and that's it's called the Four Women Gallery.
3: Yes, and, and uh, it's open. It will be open two more weeks, about two more weeks, and. People are welcome to see. Yeah, apparently, I didn't know that I, I'm an artist, but uh, three months ago I started to, draw, to paint. And people like it very much. And yeah, You're so.
1: like the new Andy Warhol. I mean, I've, I've seen these, uh, these um, uh, pictures of Woody Allen and... Uh, I think Robin I, Williams. Robin Williams. And, yeah,
3: people that I'm inspired by. Yes,
1: absolutely exquisite.
3: Thank you. All right. Thank so you that's
1: very the, the Four Women Gallery in Thornhill, and if they go to your Facebook page, that's Heim Goldenberg. Uh, just Google it, Facebook Heim Goldenberg, H A I M, Goldenberg. They'll see all the uh, the times and dates and the exact address. Yeah, everything Thornhill. is there. Yes. All right, and Thank you have you. A, a television show called Gold Mind. Yes. Great name, Gold Mind. Gold, thanks. And uh, apparently,
3: it's on... yeah, apparently we sold it to A and E Latin America. Um, So it's going to be huge, many viewers. It will be in 21 countries. Um, So I'm very excited about this. Uh, As you
1: should be. I know a little bit about uh, what a long road that is to get a TV show off the ground. So congratulations. Thank you. All right. So now to the second part of our uh, little uh, mind experiment. I wrote down a word.
3: So, okay. Uh, uh, Do we have time, right? Do we have like... Yeah. At least 10. We have 10 minutes. Okay. It will be short. So, uh, you know how many letters? Yes. Okay. Can you tell me how many letters?
1: Yes. 11.
3: 11. Okay. This is the only question I will ask. From now, I will say many things, um, and I will see how you react. One, two, three, very big, very small. Um, You're almost not reacting. Yes, it's very big. It's something important to you. Maybe not, maybe just a word that pop up in your mind, but no, it's something very important to you. And you are smiling right now, so I I guess I'm right. Um, Very, very important, something very emotional maybe. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. Again, I'm saying many things. Um, And try to get your reaction. It's not, it's um, 11... The letters, but it's two words or three words. Don't say yes or no. Maybe two words. Yes, it's two words. Uh, uh, one, two, three. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, three, one, two th- one of the words are very short, three letters. Um, and let, now think about this, this thing. Uh, again, it can be big, small. I, I feel happy, very happy, very sad. Violence, a lot of violence. Yes, there is violence there. I feel something with the nose, something with the nose. Um, do you think about nose? Just tell me yes or no. Or do I no? think about nose? No. No? Um, blood, there is blood involved there. Um, it's someone, you're thinking of someone, you're thinking of someone, and I ask you to write whatever you want. Not right, a specific, correct, right? that's right. So, yes, it's someone, and because it's two words, probably the first name and the last name, um and the first name the last name oh difficult a b c d e f g h i j, j k l n m no P Q R S s t m, m m m there is m there a b c also a m a m a so oh okay <sighs> okay i think i know so what i feel from what I did right now there is violence there there is um, there is. reason I, I felt something with blood in the nose or something in the face um, two words three letters and I know that is, there is a just a wild guess do you think about Muhammad Ali?
1: oh my word <laughs> ah, look at that <laughs> oh well, my god can you see that? can you see that? Muhammad Ali you sir are amazing. That is thank astounding. You,
3: thank you. It wasn't very easy, but... No, it wasn't, maybe. and I
1: probably spelled Muhammad wrong because they're about, you know, uh,
3: believe blessed you not, be his
1: name. Believe me <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> there are so many don't know how to spell I don't know how to spell it. it so. Well, there's, you know, there's many different ways, but yes, de- <laughs> unbelievable. Now, you thank were you. able to, to to determine that just based on my body language, and Mo- I didn't
3: say a word. Mostly, but as I mentioned before, and just to be honest with you, when I ask you to choose any word, Yes. I also did something. I looked at you and I said, you can choose whatever word you want. And then if you remember, you said, can I choose a name? And I picked it up. I remember this. So... It gave uh-huh. me information. Okay. Right. So, well, You're being honest. That's... Yes, you gave me some information. I wasn't right. sure that you would choose some, a name you of somebody. Because, be na-
1: and it, couldn't, it didn't it have, could, have to be a name of a
3: person. It yeah, could have been I a say, name of an automobile. Whenever you want. So you said, can I choose? So the name was a clue for me. There okay. are other things that I try to make you think about. We talk about my drawings before, yes. before yes. the show. And most of my drawings are person people that i inspired by. So it also gave me something because we talked about this. I know that you have this in your mind. So many things around us that I know how to observe gave me this information about the world. One of the things I, I, I learned
1: about Yuri Geller is that he was, I mean, you know, there was that episode on The Tonight Show when he was sort of ambushed by the amazing Randy and they tried to, they tried to discredit Yuri Geller. But I've heard that, that a, a number of people in the intelligence communities have come forward and said, no, Yuri Geller is the real deal. And I'm listening and and I'm witnessing your incredible abilities. What you have here would be incredibly valuable.
3: Yes, you're right. To to intelligence gatherers. You're right, 100%. And I came from Israel 10 years ago, and I used to work a little bit with the police, but mostly with uh, business cooperation. They asked me to be in the room to observe and tell them after the, after the meeting what, what are my thoughts, especially in negotiations. Right. You're like a human polygraph test. In a way, yeah. I can tell if somebody is lying or not. But I did it for a long time. But one time I did a mistake and the company lost a lot of money because they trust me. Since then, I don't do this in my real life. That's a lot of pressure. And it's That's a, a lot of pressure. and
1: Well, because it's not an exact science. Yes. Yes. And it's I can an, do a lot
3: of mistakes, and especially if it's something really important and I don't want it on my shoulders. No, I
1: can appreciate that. Um, so so then, I mean, how would an intelligence agency, for example, let's say the CIA were to come up to you in a coffee shop and, and say, you know, we could, Most use of the the, time we could use someone like you. I
3: didn't work with those people. No, no. I worked with the police, right. and uh, they wanted me to to see um, if they have someone that they suspect that is the, the guilty person. If right. it's something, they wanted for me to see and to motivate him to speak. And after I talked with him or sometimes it didn't talk at all. I just looked at him and I asked him questions. I saw how he, he react. So I to, I told him what I had in my mind about this person.
1: If there and, was a missing person and they had apprehended someone who they thought was maybe responsible for that person missing. Even if that person didn't speak to you, you could just sit there, ask him questions. Is, you know, did you is the is the body buried here? Is it body? You could could you then perhaps even locate the the, the missing Uh, missing person based on body
3: language? I'm afraid to say yes because now many people will ask me to do it and I'm afraid to do it. Um, But yes, I definitely can. I have a part in my show that I ask someone to hide something very valuable and I just detach my hand and by, it's called muscle reading, I can tell where the the item is. So yes, I can tell. If if you know where is the, the body or whatever, right.
1: I can tell. You see, whether or not people believe in remote viewing, for example, or ESP, um, what you do is as equally amazing to me, even if those things aren't yet at play, even if they're not real. Um, I mean, what you're revealing about the power of the human mind is incredible.
3: Yes, our mind, our the power of the, the, the human mind is incredible, and it's very simple. We tend to think that it's very complicated, but our mind is very simple. And if for... for Take an example a baby. When he's born, the intuition in, 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 in itself is very strong. If he will see someone that is bad for him, he will, try, he will start to cry because he feels something. When we grow up, we have a lot of information, and I call it garbage in our mind. We get a lot of bad information that let us we start to think. But the pure um, intuition, without thinking, this is, I think, very powerful, and this is something that people... Um, need to use more and more trust your intuition trust what you have inside you that i can even me i cannot explain how it works but it works the problem is not to think forget about what you have in your mind and use your real intuition your will your real feelings
1: now but it must be also not difficult to be around you but people must be thinking that you're constantly sort of you know observing and looking at their body language and i i, I don't know uh, do you have children I have two children, yes. So your children can't get away with anything because you say, you know, who, who didn't clean up this mess? It wasn't me. I
3: mean, you know, right? Um, yes, but this is something that most of the parents will know, I think. You know, they know about the children if they're lying or not or, you know.
2: And that's, This that's, is interesting stuff.
3: In my real life, I, don't, I can't use my abilities every time because I need, really, I need to be in focus.
1: Okay, so and, you can turn it off when you need to.
3: Most of the day it's turned off. Yes, it is. Okay. Most of the day. The interesting stuff is um, my wife. She's the only person for real that I cannot read. I can't read my wife from the moment we met.
1: Is that why you were attracted to her,
3: perhaps? Uh, maybe. No, she's a beautiful and amazing person, but. Um, but who?
1: I mean, what man can read a woman anyway?
3: <laughs> <Some I can. laughs> we try, I right? can read other women, but okay. not mine. All right. Yes. She's a complicated so, lady. She's not complicated. Maybe I blocked myself because I knew that I want to be with her. But it's funny, interesting. I can't read her. And I, I never tried more and more and more. But I think it's it's better for us that they can't read her.
1: Do, is it true? Do you think women are more intuitive? yeah the women's intuition
3: one hundred percent yes
1: and is that does that have to do with things like they have a heightened sense of smell i mean they do have they do have that right women you know that Mary right you have a greater sense of smell you have um, they is are that?
3: more yes, they are more sensitive this is the, the everything is more sensitive uh, more than men uh, in general of course there are some different people, but women are very uh, sensitive and aware. For things that usually men are not aware to. This is why they are more the intuition is more is stronger. Intuition it's something that based not only on, on something that you have in your mind, it's based on the environment. When I read you and when I read people, I look around, I see some other stuff. It's not it's not only in my mind, it's 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 details that I collect from around.
1: It's absolutely astounding, and uh, I'm so glad you dropped by. And let me remind uh, listeners and our viewers on the Google Hangout that uh, you will be appearing live on stage at the Regent Theatre in Oshawa, 50 King Street East, and that's all part of my all-day conference, Follow the Truth, the Conspiracy Show Summit. No conspiracy here, folks. This guy's the real deal. And uh, again, that is Sunday, November the 16th. For more details, visit... And you can read uh, Haim's uh, bio there on the website under our speaker's uh, menu. And that is followthetruth.tv. Haim, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for this. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. All right. Nice to meet you, Miri. Thank you. All right. We'll we'll uh, we'll keep the Google Hangout going here. Uh, in the meantime, the website, RichardSarrett.com. That's your portal to the conspiracy show right here. And uh, as always... You can say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth. Thanks for inviting me into your home. I'm getting a lot of email of people wanting to hear me weigh in on that absolute horror show that uh, transpired in our nation's capital last Wednesday. Uh, And this is the the challenge of uh, a weekly radio show. I have to wait until my show rolls around once a week before I can jump uh, on an important story. And uh, we will delve into that later in the hour. Uh, A researcher and host of a popular podcast, The Conspiracy Cafe, uh, will be here to talk about some of the, what shall we call them, Uh, oddities surrounding the official version of, of what happened up in Ottawa peculiarities oddities inconsistencies perhaps that he's seen witnessed delved into and he'll share those with us uh, and while I don't necessarily subscribe to these uh, uh, his version or his questioning of these events I, I, I think these oddities or peculiarities in the official version of events deserve to be discussed and scrutinized in the uh, in the light of day And many of you may be thinking that it's too soon or it's too sensitive and I am fully cognizant, believe me, that Corporal Nathan Cirillo has not even been laid to rest yet. Uh, And some of you might be thinking, how can you possibly think we're being lied to about what happened last Wednesday? A man is dead, for crying out loud. A wife has been widowed. A child has been orphaned. Now is not the time. But if there is some high-level criminal activity going on here, above and beyond what we're being told, then we must investigate. One of the uh, the techniques for suppressing the truth is for certain people to wax indignant. This is also known as the how-dare-you gambit. Other uh, common techniques for suppressing the truth is to carry the charges as rumors, or better yet, wild rumors. And if in spite of the news blackout, the public is still able to learn about certain suspicious facts, it can only be through rumors. If they tend to believe the rumors, it must be because they're simply paranoid or hysterical. Uh, Then there is a Knock down straw men. This is a a common technique. You knock down a straw man. You deal only with the weakest aspects of the weakest charges. Even better, create your own straw man. Make up wild rumors or plant false stories and give them lead play when you appear to debunk all the charges real and fanciful alike. Or you call the skeptics names like conspiracy theorist, nutcase, ranter, kook, crackpot, and of course rumor monger. And be sure, too, to use heavily loaded verbs and adjectives when characterizing their charges and defending the more reasonable government and its defenders. You must then carefully avoid fair and open debate with any of the people you have thus maligned. And for insurance, set up your own skeptics to shoot down. Again, there are a number of things that disturb me about the official version of events that transpired, and I want to put those under the microscope a little bit later. Here's the thing. Uh, Whenever someone suggests, for example, the Ottawa shooting may have been some sort of a false flag, I don't discount it out of hand, and here's why. How could I even contemplate, you may be asking, that somebody, and I'm not talking about the Prime Minister here. I'm not talking about government officials. I'm not talking about cabinet members. I'm, I'm talking about unelected rogue elements that have power and influence. And I believe that there exists rogue elements in every facet of society, in every country, including Canada. And it's because I believe the real power in the world rests with psychopaths. Psychopaths rise to the top in our society. They have the power You don't get to rise to the top unless you have certain attributes. You've got to be ruthless. You have to be remorseless. You have to be able to justify anything, perhaps even killing innocent human beings like Corporal Nathan Cirillo, if it furthers a certain agenda. We're going to talk about uh, psychopaths a little bit here uh, because... My next guest, who has been with us before, uh, wrote a book, a pretty profound book. It's kind of a survival guide. It's called The Art of Urban Survival, and one of the chapters is about just that. It's about defending against psychopaths, not psychopaths that are lurking in an alley We're not talking about these random acts of violence. We're talking about the psychopaths that are in the workplace, are in the church, are at the public school system. They may even be at work, might even be your boss. Your boss might be a psychopath. How do we get out from under this? Uh, But further, we're going to talk about the history of cycles. Why is it we always seem to ignore the past and we keep repeating the same mistakes? We never seem to be able to uh, get off this Hindu wheel of life. You know the old expression, right? Those who ignore the lessons of the past are condemned to repeat them. However, there are certain groups that are very mindful of these cycles. They take advantage of them. They plan for them. Now it's time for us to plan for these cycles. Stefan Verstappen is a writer, world traveler, artist, martial arts expert, street youth counselor. He's lived and traveled throughout China and East Asia. And while in Asia, he studied Oriental art, culture, and Kung Fu. Stefan is a master of the Lohan School of Martial Arts and one of the few Westerners to have lived and studied Kung Fu in China. He's a member of the Canadian Society in China and also worked as chairperson for the City of Vaughan International Economic Development Committee in charge of facilitating the Twin Cities partnerships with cities in Japan and China. And he is the author of several books, including the aforementioned The Art of Urban Survival. His article... Historical Cycles, Are We Doomed to Repeat the Past, What to Expect, and How to Prepare for the Next Ten Years, will be published in the fall edition of the Trends Journal, which, of course, is published by Gerald Salente, a noted futurist and uh, trends analyst who has joined us on this program from time to time. Stefan Verstappen, welcome. How are you?
4: I'm fine, Richard. Thanks for having me back on the show.
1: So, uh, cycles and... uh, are we to measure, then, historical cycles in sort of 10-year uh, in intervals? Is that how we, how we look at cycles in 10 years?
4: Yeah, well, there's been many different theories on you know, historical cycles, and each theory has its own sort of timetable. And, uh, for example, the oldest theory of historical z- cycles dates back to the Vedas, which is almost uh, 6,000 years old. And they describe a uh, four-stage cycle of history, and each stage in that cycle is 2,400 years long. Um, Then, coming a little bit more closer to the future, we have uh, the Greek uh, philosopher and historian Polybius, and he came up with also a a four-stage cycle of uh, history. And in his stage, the stages lasted 200 years, and... um, all the way up through to modern times with the strauss and Howe theory of historical cycles and again they use a four-stage pattern to describe these cycles and they ascribe a a time period of 20 years uh, or 24 years to each stage in that cycle so um the time period you know what i toss it up i think the time period is not etched in stone i think it's a variable I think it depends on the circumstances of the civilization in which you would apply this theory to, and so we see within our modern society everything has speeded up incredibly fast, and even with human species, if we you know go back only you know ten thousand years, we went from you know the uh, Neolithic age of stone tools to you know walking on the moon or not walking on the moon depends on it, which theory you believe but you know, nevertheless, we do have a flight, and you know that, in terms of of history and and, and geology and, and and the cycles of history, is extremely fast so we, I, I think it's a mistake to assign that each cycle is going to last so many years and that each stage will last so many years. So I think it's variable, and I think what you should look for is the signs that you know are happening around us the environment, what's going on with civilization, uh, what's happening to our society. Um, and by examining, um, you know, the real-time events of what is occurring now, I think that is a better determiner, at, uh, 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 a better indicator of what stage in the cycle we are at, and also will help to show how quickly this is is, uh, is is moving. Well, it it it, um,
1: it suggests then, uh, Stefan, that these cycles uh, suggest that we, you know, the world is not some orderlyless. Um, you know, we're not in. It's, it's things don't just unfold accidentally. Uh, there, there is an order to the universe um, with these cycles, and uh, the question then is. I mean, what influences these cycles? Uh, is it, for example, as uh, perhaps the Babylonians, uh, the ancient Babylonians believed, that uh, uh, the, uh, the sun and the stars and heavenly bo- bodies influence these cycles? Uh, I mean, wh- wh- what is your theory? What, what, what causes or what influences these cycles, however long they may be?
4: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to jump to the end of the article and say that wh- what I believe is that these cycles are natural. I do believe that. Um, I believe that for every phenomenon that we see in nature, and just like your previous guest with his uh, mind-reading abilities, but he bases it on basic science and observation. And I believe the same holds true for the cycles of history. It is based on a natural cycle. And the fact that almost every theory on historical cycles sort of uh, shows a four-stage progression from, you know spring to summer to autumn to fall and you know a similar progression in, in, in the uh, the attributes of each stage from you know a new beginning a golden age a, an age of reaping the rewards of of your civilization and then an age of decline and death and of course you know this is the four seasons so if we look at you know civilization as a living entity and all of us, all the individuals, we are organisms with uh, cells, individual cells that comprise this vast organism. Then I think what we are seeing is, you know, birth, maturity, old age, and death. And so the cycles do repeat and they follow a natural pattern.
1: All right, we'll uh, take a time out when, we'll co- when we come back. We'll find out from Stefan Verstappen what stage of life we are as a civilization. Are we in the infancy? Stage. Some might look around and say we are pretty infantile, or are we simply stubborn adolescents? Well, there's an argument that can be made for that, too. Or are we in the fourth quarter, the final two-minute warning? Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Welcome back. Stefan Verstappen is uh, with us. He is the author of a number of books, including The Art of Urban Survival... And uh, he has a um, an article that's going to appear in the fall uh, the fall edition of the Trends Journal, uh, which is published by Gerald Celente, and uh, the article is entitled "Historical Cycles: Are We Doomed to Repeat the Past? What to Expect and How to Prepare for the Next Ten Years." and uh kevin i was asking you about what what stage uh we're in let's assume for example that um civilization is is like a, a an organism like a human being for example uh that goes through uh, infancy uh the toddler stage adolescence uh in, on into adulthood and finally old age where are we in your estimation
4: well i think uh you know I, a few people can deny that things aren't looking good right now you know I look around me and I see the, you know, the, the increased preparations by governments all over the world to suppress what is obviously a going to be sort of civil unrest. And I wondered why they are doing that. I mean, why is there this you know, sudden militarization of the police, not just in America, but Canada as well? And, uh, and it looks like it's going to be increased now as a result of the Ottawa shootings. But also in, in, in Europe and, and the world over. And I thought, well, do they know something we don't know? Are, what are they preparing for? Because the preparations they are making are obviously to suppress a, a, a civil disobedience or, or an uprising. Everything is focused on riot control and heavy police enforcement. So what, what are they expecting? What, what are they preparing for? I thought things were good um you know yeah. well we're told that the economy
1: is in 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 recovery sort of a halting recovery nonetheless i've never b- believed that uh, personally but i think they're just papering over that so there's there is one issue that continues to linger and that is you know chronic underemployment i think
4: for the foreseeable future yeah it's it's uh, terrible out there I, I don't believe the official statistics at all uh because i know from first hand experience and uh, and people around me everybody's frightened. Everybody's desperate. Everybody's worried about their job, worried about paying their bills. And so, you know, I've seen this before. Now, where have I seen this before? Well, I've seen this in studying history. And when you see these conditions start to arise in any history book, you know, covering any, you know, from, from the Romans to the Chinese to the Japanese, when it gets to this part in the story, you know it's on the bad side. Turn. It's it's at the end of the cycle. It's at the end of the good days. And what happens is we enter into what's called a period of chaos. And this is the collapse of the previous dynasty. And the previous dynasty, we could say, for example, in Russia, the previous dynasty was communism, and it collapsed. And even though, yeah, they have more freedoms now, but on the other hand, um, the conditions, the living conditions in Eastern Europe are... Horrendous, with the criminal elements controlling most of the cities and, and industries, and and the poverty and the unemployment. Well, you know, it wasn't that great the collapse of that dynasty. Now, the next dynasty to collapse is the great consumer uh, dynasty of the Western capitalists. You know, the the Walmart world and McDonald's world, and you know, we've stuffed ourselves on junk food and junk, and and you know. Uh, but it's coming to the end of that.
1: Too. Well, it's true. Because McDonald's uh, stock is 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 falling because, uh, and Coca-Cola uh, stock is falling because people have had enough of you know sugary drinks and and the perception that McDonald's is not healthy and they're losing market share to their competitors. So you're right. Who would have thought McDonald's and Coca-Cola? I mean, that's blue chip
4: stock, but it's yeah. falling. Yeah. No, because because that's what happens at the end of the cycle. So when you see these kind of conditions arise, and what conditions I'm talking about is increased militarism and government control, because at the end of every dynasty, what happens is uh, civilizations collapse. Yes, it's natural, but a function of that natural collapse is the absolute and total corruption of the ruling elite. And that's what we're seeing now we're seeing unbelievable greed and and corruption going on in the governments of all western countries and most eastern countries as well and what happens is uh, as as they get greedier and greedier they have to steal more and more now because they're stealing so much everyone else is poor you know people can't afford to take vacations anymore they can't afford to buy a new car And in a year or maybe two years, they're not going to be able to afford red meat once a week or chicken or fresh vegetables. So what's going to happen then when people can't afford to put food on the table for their kids and their families? Well, they're going to get upset and they're going to blame the government because, well, the government greed and ineptitude and the taxes and the licensing and ad infinitum all of the regulations, which is all in place just to take more money out of the economy to feed their greed. So, you know, what you mentioned earlier, the psychopaths are in charge, and the psychopaths know only one thing, and that is to consume. And what they consume is the rest of us. So now, what's going to happen? People are going to get upset, and they're going to go and protest. And those protests may turn violent. Hence, the government is already prepared. They've got you know the the the, the riot police and they all have the, their new equipment and their anti riot gear and the sonic weapons and the tear gas grenades i mean what why else would they have all those things cuz they know what's coming and body bags
1: and um rumors of internment camps and but this is stuff that you know only paranoids think about uh, stephen we've been you know uh, when people start talking about this sort of thing they're considered you know a uh, like one of those militiamen down in the United States who listen to shortwave radio and, and, um, uh, you know, talk about how horrible the government
4: is. Sure, because, you know, if we prepare and if we make ourselves stronger, uh, we're less uh, uh, easily victimized. And, of course, since government now is in the business of victimizing the population, they don't want that. So they denigrate anybody who is, you know looking around and saying, wait a minute, this isn't, what I was promised when I voted conservative, when I voted liberal, when I voted NDP—you know, this isn't how it was supposed to turn out. But how, how do we, how what
1: happens to those those people uh, th- that seek higher office? And 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 I think in most cases uh, they do it for all the right reasons. They genuinely want to help. So I don't think necessarily that the psychopaths are the people that come canvassing at your door asking you to vote them in uh, as MPP or MP. Is there? Are we talking about some um, some other level, which is what I believe happens? Is you have this this cabal, this unelected group that that sort of forces the hand of these elected officials?
4: Yeah, absolutely, Richard. Uh, you know, I have a, one of my students, former students, kung fu students, is uh, running for uh, councilman. You know, and I know the guy. He's he's a decent salt of the earth fellow, a family man. There's no way he's involved in any sort of nefarious conspiracy. I know that. And I I believe that the same is true for probably most of the MPs and MPPs, uh, yeah, that do come to your door. But, you know, what happens is they are part of a system that is controlled and they're probably not aware of it either. And, you know, in order to function, um, you know, the big decisions aren't left up to them anyways. The big decisions are made somewhere else. And uh, those decisions are made by whatever psychopathic cabal um, that uh, runs things from behind the scene. And it's not being paranoid because, you know, I've read a lot of history. And, uh, you know, if I were to tell you this story and it took place in China 1,500 years ago, nobody would say, oh, geez, you're paranoid. No, because you see the historical record. There is, you know, ample evidence that these psychopaths had schemed to take over the empire and rob it blind, of course. But... We, we think that it doesn't happen to us and we think it doesn't happen now. But that's where history, again, proves us wrong. It happens and it can happen to us and it can happen now.
1: And you're saying that we are on the cusp or the precipice where it's going to happen again, which is we're talking about uh, the collapse of an empire. In this case, we're talking about consumerism. But um, you, you mentioned these 10-year cycles, but surely this has been going on, this decline – uh, has been going on for much longer than ten years, and 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 the 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 predatory nature of, I guess, the unelected oligarchs. I mean, this has been going on for for a lot longer than ten
4: years. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I didn't say that. I thought it was a ten-year cycle. That was a, a theory by Strauss and Howe. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think it's you know it's flexible. Um, and and also I want to you know cuz we're almost out of time and i want to end on a positive note and say that i think this is a natural part that civilizations go through and what happens is we go through a sort of a period of chaos but it's not the end of the world and it's not the end of our civilization it's the end of that paradigm and we'll go through a period of turmoil like all civilizations have gone through and most of them with you know few exceptions like the maya and the aztec but most of these civilizations, like the French and the English and the Germans and the Japanese and the Chinese, they come out of this period, and they build a better uh, dynasty. The next one, you know, if we can get through the next five to ten years, um, you know, and, and look out for each other, get some preps in the house, you know, some extra food and su- supplies, learn how to do with less, and ten years from now, we're going to see a better world.
1: Uh, I certainly hope you're right, uh, Stefan. I mean, but but it seems to me that now the stakes are much higher. We're not talking about, let's say, for example, the fall of the Roman Empire, where as mighty as they were, uh, let's face it, the, the weapons at their disposal were, uh, you know, uh, basically slingshots <laughs> by today's standard. Right. Or the, the fall of the Visigoths or the, you know, the Mongol hordes or, you know, name your name your empire. Uh, now when this, when this house of cards comes a-tumbling down, Uh, It's
4: going to take a lot more people with it. Um, I'm not so sure. No? Um, Yeah, you know, I'm trying to stay positive, Richard. I want to think because we have one wild card that none of the other civilizations had, and that is mass communication. Your radio show, the Internet, and, uh, uh, you know, and podcasts and television, we are able to disseminate ideas at you know instantaneous speed and reach more people than at any other time in history, and I think this is could be a very defi- decisive factor. I think you know with your efforts and and the efforts of, of your guests and myself, and to you know get people to you know become more aware of where we are at and to make preparations to you know survive this and to work together. You know we we, we gotta uh, um, you know be careful and. Um, We'll get through this, and I think, you know, ultimately the change has to come from our own thinking and our own, uh, our own uh, mentality and our own spirituality. We have to, as a species, say enough of this, enough of the war and the chemical and the greed, and we have to say we're not going to support that, and we're not going to condone it with our silence. So, you know, speak out, make preparations, be strong, and I think we might have a chance of reducing, you know, the death toll of, uh, you know, the coming turmoil.
1: And, and just in the, in the minute remains here before we uh, move on to other things, and you're going to join us for our second half here as we discuss the, uh, the, the horror show that was the Ottawa shootings earlier in the week. Uh, how, do we, how do we prepare? How does an individual prepare for this rough
4: ride ahead? Well, it's anything you would do for emergency preparedness will get you through the same turmoil. The turmoil is just basically one big disaster. So extra food, extra medications, uh, extra batteries, flashlights, candles, alternative sources for heating, um, and then the skills. You know, uh, take a first aid course, uh, learn some gardening skills, um, learn some bartering skills, and then get your people together. We have to form communities. We have to rely on each other. We are, you know, the tactic of the psychopaths in charge is to divide us. We've got the, you know, men against women, race against race, religion against religion. No, you know, this divides us. We need to seek each other out and support each other, regardless of race, religion, or, 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 uh, uh, or, or sex. These are minor differences. We're all humans, and we have a common enemy. <clears throat> and that common enemy is greed and corruption. And we need to unite. Well, your your book, uh, the
1: Art of Urban Survival. What do you recommend? Do you stay put in the city where there is some infrastructure, at least for now? There is a, there is community, uh, or do you hightail it for the uh, the rural
4: areas and uh, and try to make it out there? Um, I don't think you have the option. You know, a lot of people think, well, we'll go to to the country, we'll live in the forest. No, no, y- you know, that's not going to happen. Most people don't survive that. And I can, you know, we don't have time, but I can give you a dozen examples of. So From history where people have tried that it doesn't work look we this is it here we have to make our stand where we live and most of us live in the city and that's why i wrote the book Uh, it's to give you the tools and the information that you can handle and deal and survive any kind of disaster that will happen to you while you live in the city but this is our home now there's there's nowhere to run to um we got to make it where we live The Art of Urban Survival and his uh,
1: upcoming article in the fall edition of the Trends Journal, Historical Cycles, Are We Doomed to Repeat the Past? What to Expect and How to Prepare for the Next Ten Years. Stefan Verstappen sticks around and will be joined by the host of the podcast, The Conspiracy Cafe, George Freund, as we discuss the Ottawa shooting oddities. Listener discretion advised. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Welcome back. I received this in my inbox this morning, my email inbox, subject line, it's up to you. Richard, you're about all that stands in the way of a total and complete police state state takeover of Canada. I was given airtime on Genesis Network's The Power Hour to plead the case and introduce the prospect that this, meaning the Ottawa shooting, uh, was a strategy of tension operation. There are many holes in the story. There's a lack of blood at the memorial. There's a lack of interest in the bystanders in the background. They aren't even looking at the scene unfolding. They are definitely not taking cover after a man was just shot. The fact the guy runs hundreds of yards over open ground with a rifle in front of the most heavily defended piece of real estate in Canada defies any common sense. There are supposed to be armed guards outside 24-7. Joyce Riley talk show host, stated on her show yesterday the shooter had a parliamentary pass. There were also warnings issued days before to all the legislatures of an impending attack. When, uh, can't, sorry, I can't read the next line. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the gentleman who sent me this uh, goes on in, in considerable detail uh, to talk about these inconsistencies and what's wrong with the official version. Of this story. Again, talking about the horrible shootings up in Ottawa on Wednesday and the death, I do believe that Corporal Nathan Cirillo was shot and killed. Um, who is this Michael Zahaf Bebo? Well, we'll delve into that perhaps a little bit as well. But uh, joining us on the uh, Conspiracy Show is the host of the popular alternative news podcast, The Conspiracy Cafe, George. Freund, is a longtime researcher investigating conspiracies, history, and intelligence agencies. Uh, George, welcome. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you, Richard. And uh, oh, we've uh, kept uh, our previous guest, Stefan Verstappen, uh, on the uh, the program, who uh, uh, is the author of The Art of Urban Survival. Uh, George, Stefan, Stefan, George.
5: Oh, a good man. He made some good points. My grandfather's generation went through that stuff before in the 30s and the wars, and... Uh, the biggest mistake they made is they said or felt that their generation would never face that. It would never happen to them. And they learned very quickly that that was a serious error in judgment. It can happen to you. And, yeah,
4: it uh, can. It's nice to meet you too, George.
5: Ditto.
1: And uh, Stefan, feel free to jump in at any, any, any point and uh, join the conversation. Uh, George, we don't have a lot of time. Let me cut to the quick. So, your. Uh, based on your analysis of the, uh, the, what you have witnessed in the media and from other accounts, you believe that the incident, this shooting up in Ottawa, was some sort of a false flag event. Is that correct?
5: The pictures that the media has put out don't match the story they're telling. So, in like in a parody... You know, somebody promised me a car that was only driven by an old lady to go to church on Sundays, and I find it with yellow primer paint and numbers on the door. The story and the pictures don't match, and we have to use our own minds to come out. I've done a lot of emergency first response with people with, you know, s- fatal injuries and serious injuries, and, uh, you know, I've seen that firsthand. And when you deal with someone with massive trauma like this individual, Corporal Cirillo, is supposed to have had, you wear it. Like, you just look like you've been in a chainsaw fight, because arterial bleeders just shoot like there's no tomorrow. And when I looked at the pictures, I say I accepted that I'm getting a car that was driven by an old lady going to church on Sunday. And then when I look at the pictures, I say, that's not the case at all. One of the emergency pictures that was very difficult to find is when the paramedic's on the scene, and there's a lady going to start mouth-to-mouth on the corporal. His shirt's open, the shirt is a light green. The major blood vessels, the freight train blood vessels, go through your abdomen. And, you know, that's just basic anatomy the abdominal aorta and the interior vena cava. Those are the, the major highways of taking blood through your body. You have a 30 30 caliber Winchester bullet fired at close to close, point blank range, hitting a target. Uh, the, you know, the hydrostatic shock that's going to come from that, uh, that velocity of around is just going to rip you apart. And there's there's going to be splatter all over the place, and that's just not there. The guy's shirt's clean. There's no blood on his skin. He should be bleeding from the mouth. And uh, the other bizarre thing is the paramedics are there with all the high tech equipment, and they're still doing basic first aid like the first responder. Wait a minute, the man's heart stopped beating. You know, like let's get the airway in. We've got to get the paddles out to give him the shock. The the box is in, on the ground in front of him, and they're not doing anything with it. That defies logic, and when your heart stops beating, it only takes a couple of minutes, you turn blue. He's the same color, has the same skin color as the people that are working on him. That just defies logic, but then, you know, maybe this is the first time ever case that uh, injuries of that nature have uh, not fit the pattern of injuries of that nature in the past.
1: George, I hear everything you're saying, and and uh, it, it does seem very odd. And I remember, of course, well, I don't remember, I wasn't there, but I've seen, of course, the the, uh, the, the Lee Harvey Oswald uh, uh, shooting, and same thing. I mean, here was a man that was shot in the gut, at close range, and no blood. Uh, in fact, the, the photographer on the scene at the time uh, would later report that he thought that that was very odd. No blood. We see... Oswell being placed on a stretcher, uh, no medical attention virtually given to him, and uh, no no blood on the blanket, no blood on the gurney, and as you say at the cenotaph, no no uh, no bloody, no, blood no bloody footprints. Here's the thing though, George, and this is why this is a difficult one because I all I have to offer up in in rebuttal, and it's not even rebuttal, is my God, I saw the I saw uh, a Corporal uh, Cirillo's widow. Uh, in inconsolable, uh, you know, I believe he died.
5: That may very well be true, but the photographic evidence that they've presented here doesn't match the story they told. Fair and enough. It's That's... like Colombo used to say and uh, thing, you know, something bothers me about that. And usually everything was cut and dried when he started on a case. And then when you looked in it further, there was a whole different ball of wax.
1: All right, we'll uh, take a time out, come back. Uh, George Freund, these are difficult Difficult questions. And uh, if not on this program, then where? Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. George Freund is uh, with us, independent researcher and uh, the host of the podcast Conspiracy Cafe. Uh, You know, when we have um, members of the armed forces, police that are uh, apparently, you know, gunned down in cold blood, and in this case we have a young man Uh, being um, hailed as a hero uh, who has left a a wife widowed and a son orphaned who hasn't even been laid in the ground yet, laid to rest. Uh, George, you must be catching a lot of heat for even asking these questions.
5: No, actually, I'm encouraged because I'm the only one who will ask those questions. And uh, so the support basis that follows me is like a a little rising tsunami Uh, because what we experienced in Ottawa you know, against what uh, corporate and mainstream media say is we witnessed a coup d'etat, a coup d'etat to remove the power of controlling the state by the people. Uh, On the day, miraculously, that we're introducing our anti-terror bill, something that hasn't happened since 1867 happened. How does it happen? I used to work for the company that did diplomatic uh, security for the United States, before the RCMP took it over. There's no guards in front of Parliament. Like That's like telling me, you know, there's no defensemen on the ice at the Stanley Cup game. You know, it's tied.
1: Granted, that's odd. I'll tell you a a little story. A a friend of mine was telling me over lunch the other day that he and his uh, wife were on Parliament Hill during Thanksgiving weekend, and the place, he said, quote-unquote, was crawling Crawling. with police. Crawling with police. That was on a uh, weekend of uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, And granted, that was before... I believe that was before uh, the um, the uh, the death of Patrice Vincent uh, in in Quebec. Another soldier killed, uh, and the country went supposedly into high alert.
5: Correct, because even days before the first incident, the legislators in Victoria, British Columbia, have reported to CBC that they were given specific information to be on guard for an attack on Parliament. Not just a general caution or warning, but specific information, and they were prepared. So this obviously came from the RCMP and probably from Ottawa and CSIS. Well, why didn't you lock your own barn door?
1: And uh, what what uh, do you find odd about? Well, obviously there's much uh, to be found odd about um, uh, the the shooter, uh, Bibeau, and and we're, we're finding out, of course, that his um, his mother. Um, was uh, Susan was uh, worked for the Immigration and Refugee Board of Canada. Uh, we, we know that the father uh, was fighting Gaddafi in in Libya. What else do we know? What do we know about the actions of, uh, of this uh, Michael?
5: Well, he was under observation for getting a passport, and they wouldn't give him one. So he was being investigated by federal authorities. Maybe not to the point of the other chap who ran over the warrant officer in Quebec. He was actually arrested, held in custody, and released, and had his passport seized, and was on the list that the uh, commissioner and the CSIS director were extolling in Parliament. But, of course, with 60,000 policemen in Canada at the RCMP level, they didn't have the time or resources to follow any of these individuals. They just need more power and uh, you're,
1: you're you're saying that in obviously in a facetious manner.
5: Oh, exactly. Like right. it's hard to believe. And because he's in Quebec, you have the resources of 5 to 6,000 Quebec police force uh personnel behind you as well to keep tabs on this guy. That that is just scandalous. Why there's no one asking for the commissioner's resignation? If I was the prime minister, I'd say, you know, this is your last day working here. I want your resignation by the end of the day. <laughs> this is you know, men are shooting through my door, and I have to hide in a closet, and you're supposed to protect me. Uh, so, you know, so, I, so again, I,
1: uh, spell it out for us, uh, uh, George. You believe that this was an operation uh, designed, in other words, uh, this shooter was allowed to get into the parliament, was allowed to, uh, to murder this uh, the, the Corporal Nathan Cirillo, uh, storm parliament, create... The, the pretext for the passage of this anti-terror legislation, is that it?
5: Correct. That's one of the oldest tricks in the book, as Maxwell Smart used to say. It's called the strategy of tension. Operation Gladio was a NATO, a NATO uh, sign-on by countries all over the, the NATO empire to use things like this. In Belgium, they, sh- they sent three men with shotguns into a supermarket and blew 14 people to death. At the Oktoberfest bombing in Germany, they planted a bomb at an amusement park at the gate and blew people up. I have a you know a video uh, NATO secret armies on my website from 2009 where they talk to the survivors and you know how this man had his daughter blown up before his eyes and he she's all blown open and he just runs to her in time to hear her last words, "Daddy, help me." And his own government did this. Italy suffered the worst, the last being the Bologna train station bombing, 82 killed, over 200 injured. And uh, we think for a minute that we get off scot-free with the strategy of tension. What democratic government anywhere could even contemplate pulling a stunt like that on its own people? And uh, this is our common history. BBC did the longest documentary on Gladio. There's books written on it. And one of my favorite books that I read, uh, and I even wrote Parliament about this uh, before it happened on October the 5th, and talked about uh, the strategy of tension and Operation Gladio, and mention the classic work called Lights, Camera, War by uh, Johanna Newman, foreign affairs editor for Newsweek uh, years past, and how they manipulate the news and film it like it's uh, a stage play.
1: Stefan Verstappen, what do you make of all this? I mean, th- th- what, what George is describing here is uh, a coup d'etat in, in our beloved country, uh, a, 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 a Corporal um, Cirillo sacrificed like a lamb, um, an innocent lamb for this for this purpose. I mean, this almost seems
4: too unbelievable. What do you what do you make, Stefan? I agree with George. I think he has a very valid point. Um, History is rife with incidents of uh, governments sacrificing their own citizens for some political purpose. They, They do it all the time. They've done it for thousands of years. There's a strategy in my book, uh, The 36 Strategies, uh, called The Tactic of Injuring Yourself, which describes this very strategy, and this goes back 3,000 years. So, no, is it unheard of? Absolutely not. It's, you know, uh, it would be my first guess when I hear these things.
5: And definitely they should be ruled out before we leap to conclusions and throw all our freedoms out the window, like the baby with the bathwater. That is an insult, a total and complete insult to the 60,000 men we buried in World War I and the 60,000 men we buried in World War Two. I don't think they ever expected us to throw it all away because uh, one person was killed and uh, we had a big threat in Ottawa, if that's what really happened. I don't think they expected that at all. Harper has this bill tabled Wednesday, and now they're going to rewrite it to make it worse. And one of the, uh, you know... They want to make it even far worse than what it was originally intended to have some new concept in law I've never heard of before called threat diminishment, which isn't described, but what's that? Are we going to have, like, death squads to go around and make people disappear? They had these people on their radar. They were allowed to get loose and, uh, and do their dirty work. This guy, uh, Bobo, he's supposed to have crossed the U.S. border with a criminal record, including narcotics convic- convictions, without a passport, four times. Like, come on, it's a post-9-11 world. A Toronto businessman couldn't get across the border because he was mentioned as a teenager, you know, 20 years ago in a police report about somebody smoking dope.
1: What do you make of the, uh, the, uh, the video? Uh, the RCMP have examined this video where we see uh, Michael Sahapibo uh, posing with the, uh, the rifle, with the, uh, the blue and white scarf around his neck. Uh, w- w- what do we? What, what do you make of that?
5: Well, the only thing I heard from uh, you know a blogger that one of my fans just sent me before the show was they're concerned with the reflection, like the pictures taken behind glass.
1: Yes, there is kind of a reflection on the right hand side. Yes,
5: and they feel very uncomfortable that it's uh, you know it it looks like from what I'm looking at it right now that it's on a TV screen or a video monitor and that we're getting the reflection of the glass from the monitor. One of the other big things is ISIS said they had these guys posted on their website. And my big comment, uh, you know, what, what kind of power do you need? You need a 12-year-old with a laptop to find the ISIS guys on, on their website and say, yeah, that's him, that's him, that's him. You don't need any more power. You just have to do something. And uh, it, it's child's play to uh, to track these people down and get the information And, uh, you know, what's available as apps today is probably the technology they had in the CIA like seven or eight years ago, that you can track anything, anywhere, anytime. I was tracking missiles after that ship got captured in Finland. The CEO of the shipping company contacted me and said, where's my ship? (laughs) It was hijacked with with, uh, surface-to-air missiles on it, and I found it for him and tracked it all the way into the Mediterranean and over to the Panama Canal. And, uh, you know, he sent me a thank you on my LinkedIn page to say, you know, thanks for tracking down my ship because I felt those weapons might be used to start a war.
1: Uh, You know, here's the thing for me, and this is a self-preservation mechanism, I guess. I just, I don't want to be that cynical. I can't can't bring myself to believe, even though I talk about this sort of thing on the air all the time, that this would happen in my country.
5: Well, part of that uh, comes back to Plato. It's his fault and he developed the concept called Plato's Cave. If we live in a cave, and the only existence we know are the shadows cast on a wall by the the light from a fire, that's reality. When you ever, for whatever reason, if you could get out of the cave and see the real world, that's conspiracy.
1: You know, there is an interesting... uh, not interesting, it's it's tragic uh, beyond uh, imagining to see this war memorial shooting, but it is interesting, as you point out, the photograph of the the aftermath of the shooting, and we have uh, a Corporal Cirillo on the ground being attended to by first responders, and presumably a live shooter still roaming about with a gun, and yet, as this photograph tells a very interesting story, we see bystanders, some of them sipping their coffee, some of them with their back turned uh, to... Corporal Cirillo on the ground, some of them looking at their cell phones, looking very, very uninterested. What does this picture tell you, George?
5: Well, I work with a lot of guys in the military. I was in the hold-up business for 11 years working for an armored car company. I'm very familiar with robberies and violence. And uh, the military, our Canadian military, had a very interesting uh, comment about rating that. It was called the BOSOF, Beads of Sweat on Forehead. And uh, because when you're in a real situation, there's nothing you can do to stop it. In fact, there's a lot of other things you can't stop either, and that's controlling your bodily movements. And uh, there's nothing there. So when we got into tight situations or if there was a shot fired or a threat, you know, we might say, oh, BOSOF 5 or 6, depending on how bad the threat was and uh, what we had to do. But everybody's just standing there completely nonchalant, and they could care less. And I find that not even looking. They're not even looking. You ever been at a traffic accident? Everybody slows down to look. So you
1: know, what do these people think is going on then, the, 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 that are gathered around the cenotaph with their backs turned to the scene or sipping their coffee? What do they think is happening?
5: Well, a young lady I know who's not into conspiracies at all, but is a filmmaker in Toronto, just uh, put it off as you could say, the director says, cut, and you're waiting for take two. And uh, completely unsolicited, I was flabbergasted that she uh, came up with, uh, going, wow, you're pretty, and you've got a brain, and you think independently. Wow, I wish I was 20 years younger. It's, uh, and that's not the only photo. One of the other ones is supposed to have come out. It's from a parliamentary assistant by the name of Julia May. She posts pictures online from 9.30 a.m. outside of the camera view where the shooter was running, where the House of Commons was ringed in with police cars. She's, and she swore at them, you know, like she just calls them an S-load of, uh, of police cars. She's never seen anything like it. And her window overlooks uh, Parliament from across the street. And she posted the pictures and she even puts up, you know, by the way, just remember, I have no suicidal thoughts or tendencies, so if something happens to me, uh, it, you know, they took me out. And uh, these are starting to make the rounds a little bit too, but they're not going to be on the uh, main national newspapers, that's for sure.
1: This was uh, a, 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 a phalanx of police cars outside of Parliament Hill or circling uh, uh, the block.
5: At 9.30. Uh, before part- the
1: event, before the event.
5: Exactly. There was a drill going on. The first reporter on the scene, his name was, I think, is Henderson. That's in uh, my thing here too. He, he, uh, he said there was a drill going on. Okay. And that the guys who attended the wounded soldier were part of the drill.
1: Oh my. Well, I I still maintain that uh, Corporal Nathan Cirillo, uh, who will be laid to rest in uh, a day, is no more. And uh, there is a widow and an orphan, and I don't know what to make of that or how to piece this together, but I appreciate your time, George. George about George Freund, the Conspiracy Cafe, and uh, Stevan Verstappen, thank you for uh, hanging in. No problem. Tim Spreen, thank you. Albert, the intern... Back next week, Joel Skousen, and we'll talk about UFOs and nukes. Bye for now.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air